Cover City Sports Episode 4. We got a full lineup in store for you today. We're talking Big Ten football. We got a special guest, Southeast Steve-O, joining us. Roosters, Henhouse, Joe Burrows in pads, Cam Newton in pads, Tom Brady in pads. Lantern, let it rip. Yeah, Cover City! We're back. Cover City Sports Week 4. Steve-O, how we doing? Yo, yo, yo! Rue, Rue, what do you got? How are you guys? How are you? Lantern in the booth. Lantern, what's going on? I'm hoping to be a homeowner soon. Ooh, homeowner. Big purchases. Big things for Lantern. Big things. He goes from almost burning down his house last week to now buying a new one. Yeah, I burned it down. <laughs> That's what happens when you burn your shit down. <laughs> Follow us uh, on Twitter at Cover City Sports, on Instagram at Cover City Sports. We got another full episode in store for you this week, and let's get right into it with the Big Ten. Rooster, is the Big Ten dead or alive? Yeah. On a steel horse, ride. <laughs> so for those that have missed it, Justin Fields came out and uh, he started a petition. He kind of got vocal, him along with Trevor Lawrence, about two weeks ago. Trevor Lawrence is safe in the SEC, it seems, right now. But Justin Fields, as of now, uh, his senior season is up in the uh, up in smoke right now. Not sure where it's going. So he started a petition, which currently has about 285,000 signatures. Steve-O, did you sign this petition? Yes, I actually did. I went on... Uh over the weekend and did my electronic signature and uh, definitely uh, all for the, the big 10 playing football this fall. Yeah. I, I went ahead and signed it as well. Uh, people are starting to get vocal uh, outside of just waiting around and listening for the NCAA or a president or an AD to say something. Uh, apparently some parents got involved as well. Yeah. Um, many parents uh, between especially Penn State, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, and Nebraska. Um, they've written letters to the commissioner of the Big Ten, uh, Kevin Warren, um, basically pleading with him to let their children uh, play football this fall. Uh, I think the you know the parents are, are willing and uh, the, the teams, uh, whether it's players and coaches, are, are all willing and able uh, for the most part to play. And, and I really believe that they – they made a very premature decision on shutting things down. You know, yeah, and it seems like the does... big. It, it seems like the Big Ten is starting to walk back a little bit. We saw the AD from Penn State uh, come out and say she wasn't even sure if there was a vote by Big Ten presidents to actually decide on whether football was going to be played or not within the Big Ten. Yeah, right. Uh, that that they came out. I think Minnesota's at, uh, athletic director or minute someone at Minnesota high up um, had had made statements, and Penn State's uh, athletic director made statements that they didn't, they weren't aware if there actually was an actual vote or not. Um, and then uh, Kevin Warner came out today uh, refuting that thing. There was an actual vote, and. Uh, you know, you just you don't know who to believe. Um, I know uh, actually a pretty prominent uh, family is on two teams in the Big Ten. You got the McCaffrey family, which is uh, Ed McCaffrey is a former uh, NFL uh, pro bowler. Yeah. So it took me literally till last week to realize that Ed McCaffrey was Kit Christian McCaffrey's father. Yeah, probably because they're a foot. Uh, in yeah, they're really height. foot. Yeah. Yeah. The mother was actually a track star in college and 
I'm not a positive about this, but I think she might have even uh, qualified for the Olympics uh, as a sprinter. But so that that's similar to Odell Beckham's parents. Yeah, yeah. Very Odell Beckham's father family. played, I think, for LSU football, and his mother was a track star at LSU. Possibly, I'm not positive about that, Dave. But yeah, so uh, the McCaffreys have uh, Dylan McCaffrey is a quarterback at Michigan, and Luke McCaffrey is a quarterback at Nebraska. The mother herself, uh, you know, wrote a handwritten letter to the commissioner, basically pleading to let her boys play football. Normally, what I would say here is like, this is great. This is all just a bunch of hoopla. You know, you got some letters coming to commissioners. Great. You know, so be it. Who cares? Uh, you got someone starting a petition. Um, which Steve, like, what is a petition with? It's got two hundred eighty-five thousand signatures. If it had a million signatures, what what does that guarantee you? Well, Dave, I'm going to have to reference my my man Tommy Boy here to to help you out with that one. Hey, if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I will. According to Tommy Boy, Justin Fields, uh, you know, whether it's three hundred thousand, a million signatures, doesn't mean much. But I'll tell you this, and we talked about this on last week's episode. ADs, presidents of these schools are weighing two options. They're weighing what it would look like if, if you know, four other conferences played football while their teams sat on the sideline and had no, no revenue coming in. And what does it look like on the other side of the scale where your team goes out and a bunch of them test positive for COVID uh, and they need medical attention, you know, to, to, to get over the disease. So that's what the two of them are weighing. And it looks like the Big Ten is starting to say, hey, the state of Ohio is going to be playing high school sports. You know, they're playing uh, high school football on time. Uh, New Jersey's playing high school football. Connecticut's playing high school football. New York just came out today and said they will be playing fall sports. Uh, didn't give an exact start date, but said, you know, they would be playing this fall. So by the time the end of September comes around, literally everything might be open in the U.S., you know, gyms are opening in New York State uh, in late in August. Everything might be open except college sports. So, do you want to be the AD or the president who you are the only the only thing not turned on is your high revenue, high generated, you know, high revenue generating sports teams? Dave Clay Travis actually had three state governors on over the last week, uh, interviewed on his show. He had Florida's governor, Tennessee's governor, and Texas's governor on, and they all stated that high school football will be played and there will be fans allowed at these games. Now, they're doing the same with colleges. So, you know, I, I got a, another point here on, on on this Big Ten commissioner, too, which is kind of, kind of a little crazy uh, look at things. His son is a junior tight end at Mississippi State in the SEC. So Kevin Warren's not allowing Big Ten football to be played, but he's allowing his own son to play football for Mississippi State this fall. Does that seem right to anybody? Yeah, and you'll be. It's. Uh, I think Clay Travis alluded to the fact. I'd be curious to see if he shows up for some of his games or not. But no, I think a lot of schools, and I think the FCS is is even starting to think about this. Hey, we put a kibosh on this way too soon. There's no benefit to shutting this these sports down uh, in early August, and we're moving towards a you know what hopefully will be uh, as long as there's no second wave, everything opened, I, I would say by the end of September, I know here in New York, gyms open up on August 24th and, and that's about it. So that's going to roll into my, uh, my tweet of the week. And so, 
Uh, my tweet of the week comes from Sean Wade's father. Sean Wade is a possible top 10 pick in next year's NFL draft. He's a cornerback at uh, Ohio State. His tweet was, see you early in the morning. We got to fight, and we can't let these young men fight alone. All Big Ten fans stand up. And this was on August 17th. And along with the tweet were pictures that he was uh, he booked a flight directly to the Big Ten headquarters. And I, I don't know what his plan was uh, to go bang on the door or to go talk to someone or protest out front. But I love the enthusiasm. I could see my father doing something similar. I could see other fathers of um, – you know, ex-football players I played with doing something similar. So he's fighting the good fight on the opposite side. I love it. I love to see it. I, uh, maybe next pod episode we could get some further information to see how he made out or if he's got some film or, or something on that. What are your thoughts with uh, Desmond Howard comment of the Big Ten players that were proposing on leaving the Big Ten to actually get a season in the fall? And he was saying these these teams owe the Big Ten an apology. He said the teams owe the Big Ten an apology. That's what I think. I, I believe so. Might have to fact check that. I, I mean, I would say it should be the opposite. I should say the Big Ten owes owes their their members an apology. Their student athletes. I, I mean, I don't know. I the whole thing. Here's be. here's one one way people don't think about this. You know, I, you know, college athletes are sold to come to a school. It, it's not like you or me, where I have to, you know, I graduate high school and I need to get accepted and I send uh, my SATs and my transcripts out to five schools and I sit home and hope a letter comes back saying I get accepted. It is the pure opposite. They are recruited to the nth degree. They are sold. Uh, you know, in basketball, they're given money. I mean, they are sold to come to these schools. These schools do owe their athletes something. And if they're just going to shut down and not play, then they they owe them something, and that that's how I look at it. And yeah, whether it's an explanation, we got from Desmond Howard. Uh, Big Ten needs to kick Nebraska out. Yeah, that was last week. For I, what reason? So they can go to the Big Twelve and probably make more money. I don't. I, they, they, you know, Desmond Howard has no right to say that, being a Big Ten guy himself. I, I, I you know, and I, honestly, I think it's an ESPN thing. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson started his new show on Monday morning. I, I listened for three minutes. I listened to that show for three minutes Monday morning because in that three minutes, Keyshawn came out and said they shouldn't be playing football in fall of 2020. They need to just wait until fall of 2021. End of story. It's like, give me a break. Give me a break. These are college athletes. You know, they're doing These kids so are much. dying to get on the field. Too. That's down. the most incredible part. Yeah. And then the backside of that is I, I don't believe there's a safer environment than being part of a, football team, you know, a, a top-notch football team. These colleges, I, I could tell you right now, if every American citizen had to report to a football camp and it was led by a top-notch football coach, COVID would be gone in two weeks. Oh, my God, yeah. Exactly. But here, here's another thing, Dave, that you alluded to earlier um, before the podcast started. We were talking, you know, UNC shut down for 24 hours. I know there was, a, you know, a, a, an announcement this afternoon where people are probably overreacting. UNC shut the campus down for 24 hours because they have the testing policies in place that they can test all their athletes that are on campus and get results back in less than 24 hours. So th there has been, I don't know how many, how many outbreaks or how many confirmed cases, but there has been, they're quarantining those people and then they're testing the rest of the student athletes. 
And then within 24 hours, they'll have word if they're testing positive, if they need to be quarantined, and then they can move forward. But it's 24 hours. So was that all the students or was that just athletes? Students have been removed from campus. No, yeah. The, the, online not, only. No, they're not even removed from campus yet. They're, they're it's online learning. So there's no more, you know. Um, so it's online learning, but they're still on campus. Correct. Okay. So, that, so I, I thought they send everyone home and it's like, take your laptop, go home and we're going to do this virtually. And then the article came out of how online classes can only help college football. How do you think that like, how is that possible? Yeah, so that gets into a slippery slope because then they the NCAA really can't say or they can't de- deny that that these athletes are amateurs. So if if the school or the campus isn't safe enough for students, but it's safe enough for athletes, that that's a slippery slope. I don't think the NCAA. I I honestly think there's going to be. I think college football. I think the landscape of college football in 2021. I think we'll start to see changes happening faster and faster, you know, whether it's athletes getting paid, uh, e- easier ability to, to transfer from school to school, whatever it is. But I think a lot of it is going to stem from the way that this situation this year is being handled. I agree. And so let's uh, let's backpedal off uh, college football a little bit. I think we open every episode with college football and we get, we get down into a COVID conversation, which None of us honestly like going there, but it just seems like we say every week you know, the, the way the COVID wind blows changes the landscape. I'll say this to to, to clean up the the topic and Steve-O and Rooster, you know, join in. I think college football will be played this year. I think it'll be played by multiple uh, different conferences, and I think you'll see some big teams if their conference isn't playing, then playing an independent schedule anyway. I see I see Penn State playing football. I see Ohio State playing football. Uh, you know, the ACC, the SEC, you know, they, they haven't slowed down one bit. And so so that that's where I'll put my prediction. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I just like the schools that aren't playing are going to just be absolutely kicking themselves, and that's what's going to suck just for college football as a whole. Yeah, it would be harder for them to to regain that competitive edge. Right. And then if you're a recruit, it's like, I want to go to a school that shows like this resilience. Yeah. I think that's what, you know, a lot of these teams are trying to do right now, especially um, the five teams in the big 10 that I think I I talked about earlier was Iowa, Penn state, Michigan, Ohio state. And what was the last one? Somebody help me out. Uh, You had Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska. So, so those five teams, and it was actually reported today that those five teams are trying to work out a schedule within, uh, within the the conference for those five teams to play a home and home schedule so that uh, they can play 10 regular season games and still be eligible for the, uh, the college playoff, you know, uh, in, in uh, January. So I, I hope it happens. I think it's going to happen. I think they're all going to play um, that are, that are already on board now. And I just hope everybody, like I've said every single week, and I'm so sick and tired of beating this drum, but I hope everybody moves forward and everybody plays. It's it's what I want to see. It's what I think everyone needs to see. Yeah, it's what the players and coaches want to do and the parents want to do. So I say let them do it. Uh, let, let's transition over to the, to the NFL. The NFL put the pads on. Uh, they're going ahead. They're moving forward. Feel good story. I think everyone saw this on whatever social media platform is your favorite, but Alex Smith comes back after a disastrous fibula and tibia injury. Steve-O, break this one down for us. 
I mean, it's it's insane um, that he's come back after two years of uh, that just gruesome injury. Basically, not only almost had his leg amputated, but he almost died from from these procedures that he had to to go through. I think it's amazing that he's he's cleared to resume football activities. I just, as much as I want to see that guy take a snap, even if it's just to take a knee and walk off the field on his own two feet for for one final time, I I just would hate to see this guy ruin his life. The rest of his life, he's a young guy with a beautiful family. You know, um, the NFL, it's a a gruesome sport. It's, it's, you know, they don't take any prisoners. So I just, I hope that, Alex can kind of ride off into the sunset the, the way he intends to. And, and um, you know, I hope the best for him. But I just coming back from something like that almost seems impossible to me. Yeah, and you mentioned him and his family. I think he's 38 years old. I think he has three boys. There was a video on, on social media of them spraying him with champagne and he yeah. as he was on his way to training camp, which was he pretty almost, cool. He almost slipped on it and fell too. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy isn't going to make it to camp. Imagine that's how you go out. That's how you retire he's got like a brace on the back and I think a brace up the front as well with a mm-hmm. long sock over it. And I'm sure the sock is there to just kind of hide what, what his leg looks like in terms of scars and, and muscle tissue, but, and, and probably also for compression reasons, but it makes it look very unstable. Scary looking. So I'm, I'm looking at some pretty gnarly pictures here. Yeah, it was gruesome. It, I mean, his if if it, if you know you Googled Alex Smith uh, injury, they'll show a picture literally with his the middle of his shin just snapped off, and and that's in the ground. His leg, the rest of his leg and his foot is at a ninety degree angle on the ground with his with the middle of his shin into the turf. I mean, I believe he completely shattered his tibia and fibia. I know he had multiple surgeries within a short span. He was in a, in a, a fixator, which is basically 17, Dave, 17, 17. And then he was in the fixator, which I might be saying that wrong, but which is basically, um, a metal brace on the outside of your legs with rods that are holding the bones together and they, they tighten them every once in a while. It's, it's like one of those halos that people get when they, uh, they break their, their neck yeah 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 they have them for old people's penises too and when they get really old and they want to hold them up but steve you you mentioned you know it, it, you know nfl is a gruesome game and i i agree with you to an extent i i think nfl players are, are a different breed and you know we kind of as competitive as, as as some of us may have been in sports don't understand how truly competitive these people are are and how Die hard, you know, they are to this game. Um, I, I think he's built a little differently. I think his mindset is a little different. And, you know, whether he's doing this just to prove to his kids that, hey, there's nothing in life that's going to slow you down or bring you to a complete stop, or if he's really going out there to, to work for a starting position, I, I, I got hats off to him. I do too. And I'm rooting for him all the way. I mean, listen, this guy was the number one overall pick out of Utah, went to the San Francisco 49ers got basically pushed to the side for Colin Kaepernick. They went to the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick, then went to the Kansas City Chiefs. They draft Pat Mahomes. One year after Pat Mahomes is drafted, Alex Smith is now on his way to Washington, which they don't have a uh, mascot yet, but hopefully they uh, they figure that soon out soon in, in Washington. But, you know, so the guys constantly had to prove himself. 
you know, it's, 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 I think it's a, it's a tough enough tag to, to have over your head being the number one pick and then to be shunned aside by two franchises. Um, you know, and, and the guy, if you look at his stats, he's, he's put up solid numbers for a starting quarterback in the NFL. So, you know, um, he's definitely trying to prove something. And like I said, I just hope the guy can walk off into the sunset the way he wants to or intends to. So you brought up the Kansas City Chiefs. They they announced this week that they plan on having 22% capacity, uh, which is equivalent to about 16,500 fans. I, I read this headline. I didn't know to make whether this was good news or bad news. Um, I don't know. And Rooster, Steve-O, thoughts? It's absolutely better than nothing. They just passed something to allow uh, fan noise to be played in the stadium while the games are going on. Thought that was pretty cool, but oh, Rue, you mean so the Cincinnati or yeah, Cincinnati, the, the Seattle Seahawks aren't going to be the only team pumping extra crowd noise into their stadium? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure the Patriots will find a way to get extra decibels in there. Yeah, right. No, they want they want extra cameras on the other team's sideline. I don't think they care about. And then speaking of the Patriots, Cam Newton finally, uh, well, not finally, but he fully suited up in pads. I uh, saw him dancing around a few practice sessions. We said in, I think, our first or second episode that, uh, at least me personally, he's one of the, the players that I'm most interested uh, watching this year. Um, Bill Belichick stated that, you know, if I think he got asked kind of like a, a dumb question from a reporter, like, Hey, if, if there's a benefit of playing multiple quarterbacks, would you play multiple quarterbacks? And his response was obviously if there's a, if it, it's going to help us win, I'm going to do whatever's going to help us win. But Steve, what are your thoughts? Do you think, do you think Cam Newton will be the starter week one? I a hundred percent think Cam Newton's going to be the starter week one. There's been multiple reports that they might go with a two quarterback system. And, and, and here's the funny thing. It might not be Jared sentiment might be Brian Hoyer. Um, he was a quarterback in new England before he knows the system. Um, he's played there. Uh, actually they, they reported, uh, the other day, the first day of training camp, um, Jared Sinem actually didn't throw an incompletion. He just didn't throw a completion either. He threw four straight <laughs> interceptions in camp. Um, so he, he didn't, he, you know, he got 100%. off the start. Yeah, 100%. Deion Sanders brought up a great question. It's like, would all these uh, Patriots players opt out if Tom Brady's the quarterback? What, what, like, what's that mean for Cam Newton and the Patriots? I, I think that goes back, keeps bringing up previous episodes, but we said a lot of guys, I think, are opting out. You know, if they already won a Super Bowl, if they, you know, made X amount of money. And I think anyone who's a legitimate Super Bowl contender, um, you know, how, how many teams are legit Super Bowl contenders did we see people dropping out? And I know that's a vague question, but I don't think man, I don't think that like, no, next to any zero. Let's let's leave, let's let's move from Cam Newton being fully suited up in New England to Joe Burrow being fully suited up uh, in Cincinnati. Dave, day one wasn't uh, too uh, pleasing for Joe Burrow either. Uh, there was video footage of him basically running for his life with the with the defensive line just just absolutely. Uh, going gangbusters at him, throwing the ball away. So, I, you know, maybe it's uh, things to come for his life in Cincinnati. You know, we're rooting for, for uh, you know, Joe. But uh, I don't know. I think he's got a tough card that he's been dealt. I, I tell you my take, my take on it. Joe Burrows looked like the quarterback that showed up 
to your high school's double sessions halfway through double sessions. Like he transferred in, his parents just moved from the West Coast. They got there a week late and he showed up and he had to take whatever whatever equipment was left. Did anyone see his shoulder pads? He looks like he looks like so a ninety early nineties linebacker. Yeah. The thing with Joe Burrow, I feel like is like he's not gonna flip this program around and he's definitely not gonna change the fact that the offensive line sucks. So that makes a lot of sense why defense is on his ass and he's running for dear life. I, yeah, I, the, the shoulder pad thing makes me laugh. Uh, our buddy Ryan tool sent a, a picture of our uh, pop, one of our pop Warner teams uh, with us in our, our shoulder pads. Then, and to reference Tommy boy again, it's like, you know, what, what are all those fat guys with little heads doing here? It's like, that's what the old shoulder pads looked like. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. Looks that, like Scott Bakula and unnecessary roughness. <laughs> he does. Like he Bobby does. Boucher and uh, Waterboy. All right, so one last quarterback that we that we see in uniform, and I think we saw him in uniform. He's been the spotlight of social media down in Tampa Bay. Is, is Tom Brady, which brings us to Steve-O's tweet of the week. Steve-O, what is it? All right, Dave. So uh, Sports Center came out with a uh, a tweet this week. It was quoting Bruce Arians, the head coach for for Tampa Bay. Uh, basically said he's not taking it uh, easy on Tom, and uh, he was quoted as saying he gets cussed out just like everybody else. Uh, Tom Tom replied back to that is that he's used to it. Um, so uh, obviously uh, it's been noted that Bill Belichick treated Tom Brady just the same as he treated any other player in his system. It's a system Everybody's got to abide by the same rules, and it looks like Bruce Arians carrying that over down to Tampa Bay. They have a pretty talented roster this year, and um, I also heard Peter King on Dan Patrick's show this week. Uh, he came out, and he's covering Tampa Bay Buccaneers down at training camp. Came out and said, at 43 years old, Tom Brady still looks like he has the same amount of energy and enthusiasm for playing in the NFL for being at training camp in the dog days of summer. The guy just looks like he's just, he he's ready for it. He loves it. He lives for, for this stuff. So I think you kind of have to have that mentality at 43 years old. And uh, I'm really excited to see what Tom and, and the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to do this. Fall. They were saying he was throwing 50, 60 yards in the air or 50 to 60 yards in the air. Like it was nothing, which is that's exciting for a 43 year old. I'm 43. I can't even run on my treadmill for more than two and a half minutes without wanting to fucking fall off. I think I talked about last week how I have to stretch to get into proper stretching positions. But Tom, Tom Brady, um, I know what I'm excited to see down in Tampa is is Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans, as good as he has been, has actually still been a little underrated the last few years. So hopefully with with a superstar um, at the QB, he gets a little more recognition. So excited to see what he does this year. We're going to get Gronk. The question is, are they too talented? No, I don't think they're too talented. And to go back to what Lantern just said about Gronk, I mean, the additions that they made on top of the players that they already had, um, you know, it, Tom's got the weapons he's been wanting for the, the last few years that he didn't get in New England. And, you know, Gronk gets to go down to Tampa and, and party, 69. You know Ooh. what I'm saying? Uh, Mike Evans is definitely going to reap all the benefits, though, uh, I think. It's going to open him up uh, with Godwin at the other wideout position, and uh, Gronk in there. Uh, even Shady McCoy's, uh, you know, he's he's trying to uh, rekindle his uh, his NFL career. 
coming down to Tampa. So it, it'll be interesting to see what these guys do this fall. I just hope we get more Shark Week with with Gronk and Mike Tyson. It'll be exciting so, to watch. Speaking of uh, Tyson and Gronk, I think that's a, a good transition into the unwritten rules of baseball. Uh, two guys that would not fare well in baseball uh, generally don't abide by the rules in multiple fashions. But uh, last week we were talking about Judge in, in New York and his hot start, and all the talk right now is Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres. Um, so how come is it every time I check in on baseball, something is going on, whether it's records that aren't supposed to be being broken or it's just something that's sucking the life out of the game always sees, seems to be the headline? Yeah, uh, it's uh, Tatis, J Dave, but whatever, Tatis, same guy, you know. Uh, yeah, no, this guy's, you know, he's been in baseball his whole life. His father played Major League Baseball. Um, he, he knows the rules. He knows how to play the game uh, the right way. And it, it just, you know, goes to. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean the right way to play the game? He didn't he didn't go out and, and punch the guy at second base. He, he hit a, a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch. It's just like in any sport, Dave. Like you don't hit a guy when he's down in football or, you know, basketball. You don't give a cheap shot when the ref's not looking. He, just, he knows how to play the game. So this whole for anybody that didn't listen to it or hasn't tuned into sports and is listening to our podcast. Fernando Tatis Jr. on a 3-0 pitch up seven runs in the eighth inning hit his hit a grand slam. They threw him and it was an outside pitch. It wasn't even like it was a meatball. It was an outside pitch and he hit it. He hit it opposite field home run. Like give the guy credit. Like let's not. It wasn't a meatball that the guy was just trying to throw over the center of the plate. But then you know you got the you know the coach of the Texas Rangers saying, well that's not the way we were raised how to play baseball. So like, get out of here, dude. Like I, I just don't get it. So let, let me give you the quotes from the Rangers uh, manager and, and the Padres manager. And so from the Rangers, uh, Chris Woodward, I didn't like it personally. You're up by seven in the eighth inning. It's typically not a good time to swing 3-0. It's kind of the way we are all raised in the game. And so why not just – I read that and I say, well, why not just walk off the field and quit? If you can't score, why not? Why? What's the point of playing? Why, why, why play the inning? Here, well, no, we don't want to bat this inning. You guys take the at bats, and that's why baseball is a boring sport to people. It's like, but then he here's what really got me going was uh, Padres manager comes back. It's a learning opportunity, and that's it. Ho, grow from it. In this game in particular, we had a little bit of a comfortable lead. We're not trying to run up the score or anything like that. What I've seen more competitive people in Little League. Dave, it goes back to just the state of our nation right now and how everyone has to watch what they say and be politically correct and, and just walk on eggshells and just be nice. Everyone be nice to everybody. Like, this is sports. This is competition. I want to kick your ass. That's what. That's why I step out on the field. I don't step out on the field so I can just, you know, get an ice cream cone after the game. I want to kick your ass, and this is what Fernando Tatis Jr. is doing. You know, the guy's playing the game hard, and that's what you should do. Uh, I saw a tweet today by uh, Ryan Howard, former uh, MVP and uh, uh, you know in the uh, National League, basically saying, "Then fine, if this is the way you want to do things, then just after the seventh inning, do a ten run rule. There's a mercy rule. They do it in little league. They do it in high school. You know, there's a ten run mercy rule. Just let that be 
the lay of the law now. He said, and the fans aren't going to care. At, after the seventh inning, they stopped serving alcohol anyway. So, you know, hey, I, I think it makes perfect sense. Who's getting laid again? Is, is that the same Ryan Howard, uh, the temp at the office? No, this guy's about a foot taller, and he has to duct tape it to his leg. So, no, different guy. Don't forget him stealing third base in the eighth inning up by six runs to just leave his mark. And that was Fernando? Yeah. Jr. Yeah, he did that. I don't know if it was last night or the night before. You know, bitch slapping him. Just say, hey. I think that's your way. He was kind of forced to apologize, it sounded like, and that was probably his way of saying, hey, this is how I play the game. Yeah. That's what they said. So they said, you know, Tatis Jr. had had to apologize, but that's that's one more apology than every single Astros player ever issued after (laughs) they got caught cheating and winning a World Series in 2017. So – you know, it's just like they're hypocrites. It's it's what they want to believe now. And, and I genuinely and, think that Rangers manager is the only one to be mad at this. If you ask any Rangers player, they'll probably say the same shit like, oh, who cares? It's baseball. Like, that happens. He, that he took a daddy hack and hit an absolute bomb off of us. Maybe we shouldn't be down seven runs. Exactly. Throw him a good pitch then. then yeah. Throw him a pitch that he can't hit over the fence. Maybe don't get down 3-0 in account. You're making million dollars a game, and and you think you think someone cares whether they're down seven or ten? No, but here's a, here's a good stat for you, Dave. Stat of the day, stat of the day, debt debt, stat of the day. All right, sorry, I took that from Dan Patrick. Patrick's worried about copyright issues, but anyway, um, yeah, that guy too. Um, but 2016, the Padres were uh, they were up ten runs in a game and lost, and then last year. They were down seven runs in a game and won. So, it, you know, baseball's it's a funny sport. A pitcher could be off. They bring in a relief pitcher. He gives up six, seven runs. It's nothing to score eight runs in an inning in a Major League Baseball game. I'm pretty sure the Red Sox have given up eight runs uh, in an inning about, I don't know, what did they play, 22 games? So probably 20 out of the 22 games um, they've given up uh, at least one one game with an eight-run uh, inning. So it, it's possible. I just play the game. Play the game. So if, but Steve, if, no, no, ten game losing losing streak for the Reds, uh, right? For they, the Red no, Sox. they did. They, they, uh, they, uh, they avoided that. They avoided that fate. Uh, they, they did win uh, six to three today. Um, so it's you know, man, they, they win, they win again tomorrow. It's called the winning streak. Well, the winning streak, and so let's let's roll that into this week's the players she told you not to worry about. And so the winning streak here is at Boston College. Um, let's start. So this is a two part player she told you not to worry about. I, I can never can never pick just one, but this starts with with AJ Dillon, who is probably going to go down as a top three. Uh, all-time Boston College running back. And so if you don't know about A.J. Dillon, he was drafted uh, the 62nd pick to the Green Bay Packers. And people have been talking that Rodgers you know, got no love in this year's draft, and obviously there was some downside there because they drafted a QB in the first round. But they got a big boy, a strong back, A.J. Dillon. He's six foot 247. Um, he broke Boston College's all-time rushing yards with uh, over 4,000 rushing touchdowns with 38 and all-purpose yards uh, with about 4,600. Uh, he was also registered 14 career games rushing over 150 yards, which was the most by any ACC player over the last 20 uh, seasons. The only two to come close was Lamar Jackson and, and Dalvin Cook, so in some good company there. 
this guy, this guy's becoming a, a little bit of a phenom on on social media. His thighs are are just a, like a sight to be seen. He he's. I guess we're gonna have to have like a all American thigh off uh, him between Saquon Barkley. Did either of you guys see the pictures of him on on the sidelines in shorts or in Green Bay? Tree trunks. The tree trunks, exactly. They posted a, a picture. Somebody had a side by side on Twitter, you know, with with the question stating, I don't know if it was a poll or not, but um, the question stating who has bigger legs, you know, Saquon or AJ Dillon. And I'll be honest, I I, I didn't think I'd see a dude with with bigger thighs than than Saquon, but uh, AJ Dillon definitely gives him a run for his money. And Dave, to, to get back to what you said about he might be a top three running back in Boston College history. No, no. He is the best running back to ever come out of Boston College to date. Um, he's a three-time uh, ACC All-American. Um, I mean, you you ran off, rattled off his stats. The guy's a stud. And it, it really, I think it goes to, did you, did you mention he was drafted by the, the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, 60 seconds, okay. so second-round pick for the Packers. So, you know, it was like I know the Packers took a quarterback uh, in the first round, traded up for a quarterback in Jordan Love, um, but but they did give Aaron Rodgers a weapon, um, maybe not the weapon that he wanted um, in the first round, but in the second round with A.J. Dillon. I, I think this guy's going to be a playmaker for years to come. Um, everything in the NFL kind of hinders on – remaining healthy but aj dillon's a beast and he's gonna be a beast i think aj Dillon. i'm not 100 percent sure but i'm almost certain he led the acc in yards after contact last year which i think says a lot at six foot 247 that sounds correct with with the size of his legs i mean having to take him down it's it gonna take a mac truck so yeah and, and you know we brought up saquon saquon's a lot more stocky you know saquon. he's not saquon, saquon he's not he's not uh I don't think he would say Quan five ten, so just five, about yeah five, yeah, and, and so you know a couple inches makes a big deal, but uh, we'll we'll put that up on our Twitter or on our story or something a side by side comparison there, but gets into the second part of this player she told you not to worry about, and that's his replacement at BC, David Bailey. He's a very similar build, 6'1", 240. He's the Maxwell Award watch list. He's uh, ACC preseason All-American, uh, named to a bunch of watch lists. They have four returning linemen at, at BC. Uh, last year at BC, they were fourth in the country for fewest sacks allowed. So this is probably a top three, top five O-line unit with a, a running back that that learned from A.J. Dillon, has a similar build, and uh, you know did some damage himself in his sophomore season last year. So he's going into his junior season. Last year he had about 850 yards and seven TDs, and that was obviously playing you know split time at, at best with A.J. Dillon. One more thing to note about Boston College. Um, so their coach, uh, their coach actually coached me uh, my freshman year at UAlbany. Um, another stud. He he went from UAlbany quickly went to Pitt. Uh, from Pitt went kind of around. He was in the NFL. His last position was at Ohio State as a defensive coordinator. He's 41 years old. Uh, Jeff Halfley, and so he he got brought in as a first time head coach. Uh, at BC has an excellent track record. You know, as I mentioned, I, he coached me, and what the coaches would say about him years years after was, from the get go, yeah, everyone you know that was in the room with this guy just knew he stood out a little bit. So I'm excited to see what he can do at BC. 
uh, and what our uh, player she told you not to worry about, David Bailey, will do as well. Yeah, Dave uh, Bailey was actually an All uh, ACC honorable mention uh, last year too, which is you know pretty impressive that's, to be yeah, backing awesome. up to be backing up AJ Dillon and still get enough mm-hmm. uh, enough recognition to to be considered for that. Um, and then a quick uh, touch on Halfley. Um, for all you upstate New Yorkers that are familiar with Siena College, we, we, we know them more for uh, a basketball school, but that's actually where Halfley played his, his college football um, was at Siena College. They were, they were a low major Division I school. So, so that's where he kind of got his start, and then he, he moved his way on as a grad assistant over to Albany and got to coach our man, D.C. And so, Roos, let's, uh, let's, let's bring this into a recap from the UFC last week. I fell asleep before the fights. I, I couldn't handle, couldn't handle it. What, what what went on? What did I miss? All right, so we had UFC 252 last weekend. We had some good fights. We had some bad fights. Junior Dos Santos let it off. In my opinion, he was pretty disappointing in the fight. He's he's three and three since losing to Stipe in 2017. I truly just don't think he has what it takes to fight at the heavyweight level anymore. Um, we'll see though. Like I said, he was disappointing. It was an interesting fight. Uh, he got KO'd, I think, uh, TKO'd in the second round. Uh, we're going to move on to Sean O'Malley. In my opinion, pretty bad. He uh, painted his hair as the Ecuadorian Sean O'Malley flag. was, was the, the last week's buttered hard roll. He was right. lathered up. Right. Wrapped so that's saran wrap. Steve-O's extremely soggy buddy, buttered hard roll. He painted his hair as the Ecuadorian flag, which is where Marlon Vera is from. Um, thought that was kind of corny. I just generally think he's corny. I don't think he's had any like impressive fights prior. He was a striker and he can knock out, but uh, he took a kick to the peroneal nerve from uh, which in your calf from Marlon Vera that kind of numbed his leg up a little bit, and he would eventually uh, get a lower sprain and get knocked out. For you listeners out there that might want to know what his hair looks like but can't really picture what his hair looks like. Just Google another upstate New York reference. I'm giving you guys Kona Ice. Just Google Kona Ice, and uh, my man Sean O'Malley's hair looked like a Kona Ice uh, uh, cup. The ice cream truck, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. I think Anthony had it for his kids' birthday parties as uh, a COVID birthday drive-by. That was a hell of a party. Nice Um, little little, uh, tag for Kona Ice, huh? Kona Ice, think about it. The main event was uh, the third fight of Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. I thought it was a really good fight, to be honest. Stipe retained the belt. Um, some eye gouges took place. Stipe actually had to get surgery from and from eye gouges from uh, He Daniel actually Cormier. took one first, Rue. Yeah, so they stopped the fight. They stopped the fight. But I was saying previously after their second fight, Stipe hasn't fought since. Mm-hmm. Because of surgery, because of uh, oh, this is a pre injury before the Cormier fight. Before the yep. So, oh, okay. I didn't know that. I just I watched the fights, and I you know I I witnessed uh, Cormier gouging. I can't pronounce. Stay base. Yeah, no, he did. He stay, and they, and they stopped the fight, and then and then Stipe uh. He hit him with yeah. an eye gouge back that they missed, yeah. and that it, that messed up Cormier big time. Eyes yeah, swelled he, up, and he couldn't see for the last, you know, I don't know if it was two, three rounds, but yeah, I think it was the last two rounds. And and he said in the post, you know, the post fight interview, he said he go, you know, obviously 
I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but basically announced his retirement and also said I couldn't see out of my left eye for the last two rounds of this fight. He wasn't happy about that, but the ref came out and he apologized for that later. It was uh, tough, but uh, Stipe, he was setting up his body shots. He, that's what won him the fight in the second round, or the second fight. He was setting up his body shots just to get him a, like an over-the-top hit, and that's where he capitalized in the second and the third fight with a TKO. In the fifth round, they were both battling, and towards the end, yeah, I think Stipe in, came out in, in on top. UFC. I think you you can say uh, a number of times that some guys guys are just there for for a paycheck, uh, but you could definitely you couldn't say that in that main it event. Was, it, it was a very good. It was close. Fight. The decision was 49-46, 49-46, 48-47. Nah, so a, was was, was this the highlight of the card? TKO. Yeah, absolutely. This was Dave. Yeah. It was the third fight, and uh, I saw an awesome, awesome headline of uh, Stipe retiring Cormier, which is cool. I, I kind of like Cormier, but it sucks to see him go out. The problem was, like, with this fight, he was 41 years old, and it was like, you lose the fight, it's like, why'd you do it anyway? You win the fight, it's, what'd you have more in the tank? So I thought it was a lose-lose situation for Daniel Cormier, but what lose can you do? Old balls. Right. So got a five-year plan. Cormier has a five-year plan. I know he's he's like Sid, man. We keep referencing back to to Sid every week, but it don't die. <laughs> so, Roos, Roos, throw us into the hen house. Uh, what, what's going on? What's rocking in in this week's hen house? I think you guys are gonna like this. First off, welcome to the hen house. Our third week of the hen house. I think you guys are gonna like this one for the performance thrown. There's a lot of great performances, and I had Damian Lillard last week, and he's been awesome in the bubble. But I wanted to veer away from him. We're going to go with Luis Garcia of the Washington Nationals. He's the second baseman for them. He was the uh, first player born in 2000 to hit a home run in the MLB. Oh, that's cool. That was I thought that was pretty cool. So I also put a note here. Starlin Castro was the first one to do it, born in the 90s. He did that in 2010. I thought that was cool. I was a little biased because I'm also born in 2000, so. I like it. I thought that was that's, why call, that's why we call you, you Rue Baby. Generation in, Rue Baby Love. What do your old asses think about that? Well, sister, in 2000, I I was, um, I think, entering my um, 16th year of college. No, I'm only kidding. It was my my third, but whatever. Your fifth year of Hudson Valley? Attitude. No big deal. Don't judge me. All right? This is judgment-free zone. I come on here, so I'm not judged about my bad. So cut it out. Goose Egg of the Week goes to our fellow podcasters, Steve Ovalenny and Sean O'Malley. I tried telling him, Sean O'Malley fucking sucked. I stand by that. I don't think he's ever going to be good in the UFC. He's young. Screw him. We don't want to see him win. I hope he loses every fight from here on out. He's a goose egg of the week, underperformer. He didn't do shit as a heavy favorite. What's his record now in the UFC? He, 12 and 1. 12 and 1. He should have went into that fight 11 yeah, and 1. Shoulda, so. woulda, coulda, all right? Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Don't believe him. On the note of UFC, just to finish this off, UFC 253 is coming up. Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa will fight for the middleweight championship. Dana White quotes it as the fight of the year. I think it's going to be incredible to watch. Not a fan of Israel Adesanya, so hopefully Paulo, Paulo Costa takes him to the woodshed. But that's going to cap us off for the Rooster Hen House of the Week. What's Rooster's Hen House sponsored by? Rooster's Hen House sponsored by... Land Lake and- Farms. Land Lake, Lake Farms, yep. Yeah. Actually, Stewart's chocolate milk. No, sick away, sick away creamer. Sick away creamery. 
So let's uh, let's reel this in a little bit. Let's bring this into the NBA bubble. Steve, Lakers and LeBron lose their first game. Uh, not an easy matchup. Did, did you watch the game? What are your thoughts? I hate watching Grames, Dave, but I tuned into that game last night. Uh, usually an early riser, but I, I did actually stay up for at least three quarters of it. Uh, kind of fell asleep when it got interesting and woke up for the, the final buzzer to see uh, Portland be uh, victorious. But, um, you know, I, I, I just think that it's too early to tell it's one game all right so I, i'm well, not going to pass Pierce came out and paul pierce came out and said if, if lebron can't win this he has to automatically be excluded from all greatest nba player conversations ever all right hey you know you tell him people, to calm down are we telling paul to, to chill out well it's almost like you know paul's paul's uh Game six there, where, where you know we thought he got his leg shot off, and then ten minutes later he's you know he got he got wheeled off the court in a in a wheelchair, and ten minutes later he ran back out of the tunnel like he was Larry Bird coming back out to the parquet floor to you know hit some jumpers and and you know get Boston victorious. But I, I don't know. I, I just it's one game, so so let's let's just see how the rest of the series uh, plays out. Uh, I'm not ready to. Uh, put any tags on anybody just yet you mentioned prior to, to to us hopping on here that the Lakers are a little bit disheveled right now uh who who's out who's in who who's not at health you know full full health so Avery Bradley he opted out he's got a young son at home he opted out of the playoffs or out of the NBA bubble um and then you had uh, Rajon Rondo broke his hand uh he's probably going to be back in um in uh round two he should he should be back if the lakers make it that far you know Port portland's a tough matchup they, they were a team that if they actually did go through with the the season um at the time that it was supposed to go through um they they, they were dealing with uh, injuries uh with many of their key players and um they got those guys back for this uh stretch run here in the bubble so it's definitely going to be an interesting series and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watch how it plays out. So, so Roos, your boy Damian Lillard, are you betting on him? Are you My betting guy. on him to take, take, the, take the series? Wait, Roo, I thought I thought Bron Bron was your guy. Listen, Dame uh, Lillard, it, he's been my performer of the week, and he'll shoot from half court. He's been tremendous in the bubble. He's, he's by far the best player in the bubble. But I'm a Bron guy through and through. He put up a triple-double. His scores weren't scoring where they needed to be. They, the game was a hundred. The final score was a hundred and ninety-three. That's that's low scoring in hoops nowadays. The Lakers average like 120, 130 points a game. They haven't meshed like they were in prior to the bubble. They've been dealing with some rotational issues. I think they still get it done. I don't think the NBA is going to want to miss out on a Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, Good point. The one. The one thing I don't buy is playoff LeBron right now. I think he's still good. I just don't think – the last time we saw him in the playoffs, he was 34 years old. I believe he's 36 now, and there is a big difference between 34 and 36. Um, that's one thing I don't I, believe in. 35. Oh, he is? 35. Yeah. So 33 is the last time we saw him in the – So, you, know, so you, brought, you brought up the Lakers possibly playing the Clippers, and – 
it seems like a lot of fans out there who are watching whatever sports they're trying to watch on TV don't don't really feel it without the crowd action. And, and as we roll into Lanterns Lit Weekend, how much do you guys think that bars being closed and not being able to go out and watch a game seven at a bar has to do with the excitement for fans around around uh, sports right now? Well, Dave, let me touch on that first. I, you know, what? I was talking to our brother Anthony about this last week. Um, basketball is a team or a, a team sport that that just thrives off the energy from the crowd, their home crowd. So they're in a bubble. Yeah, you, you know, you have virtual fans. The, the crowd noise is minimal. You can't really hear it. You can't feed off it. There's really no home court advantage. I think that's the biggest thing missing from the NBA right now is is these these crowds that that really bring the energy and bring the excitement to their home teams um so I think we're really missing out on that I, I don't know so much if you know hey I'm at a bar if I'm at a bar in Boston watching the Celtics or in you know Los Angeles watching the Lakers I don't think they're really gonna not root uh any more any less because they're in a bar or not in a bar. I don't know. That's a stupid pet edit that fuck out. <laughs> Maybe the question was stupid. I, I, let's keep rolling here. Lantern, bring us in. Illuminate us for the weekend. What is uh, this weekend's must watch in Lantern's Lamp? <clears throat> okay. All right, hold on. I got I to gotta get my, my voice come up. <clears throat> All right. Now, on Lantern's lit weekend lineup. That was terrible. You sound like you. Oh, like a little bitch. <laughs> Okay, let me. Oh, let me, let me cup a fart and put it in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, get out of here. <laughs> we got the PGA's Northern Trust at TPC Boston this weekend. Thursday, Saturday, TV coverage, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. on the Gulf Channel and CBS. That seems like less than usual. I guess it's not as big of a major. Okay, let's move on to the NBA and the NHL playoffs. There's a slim possibility we will see any games this weekend from the NHL since they're all closing up before the weekend but you can look forward to the nba saturday game three lakers versus the trail blazers the blazers laser nba this weekend we got the saturday game game three lakers versus trail blazers at 8 30 p.m on abc sunday game four clippers versus the mavericks 3 30 p.m and eight on abc bit of a light weekend but i'm here to light up your life Thanks, Lanter. Always a, always a pleasure when your light's illuminating my path. But that brings us to our guest of the week. Southie Stevo is here. He's live, and he's going to give us a preview of a busy sports weekend in Beantown. Oh, podcast listeners, listen up. I'm on the podcast. I'm excited as all get up to be on the podcast to talk about my town, Beantown, baby. I got my man Tiger, Tiger Woodjaw coming up to Boston this weekend to play a little golf. And I'm expecting to see four good rounds of my man Tiger and definitely looking forward to seeing him in his Sunday red. All right. So anyway, then you got our our Boston Celtics. They're playing them pansies from uh, Philadelphia, the 76ers. And uh, I expect them to keep kicking their ass. So whatever. And then we got the boys over on the hockey network here. Uh, the the Boston Bruins uh, dropping the puck. They uh, took down the uh, the Hurricanes here. Four, four to one. 
the only player they got with them uh, is uh, Tuka Rask, but they took a shit on uh, on uh, the, the the Hurricanes, and are uh, they're moving on. So you know, Boston's strong. The only uh, downfall for Beantown is uh, the Boston Red Sox. I don't know. I look forward to uh, big time uh, weekend for sports in Boston. I appreciate you guys inviting me on your podcast, and I look forward to uh, you know talking to everybody uh, again soon. So tune in to Boston Sports this weekend, and um, thanks a lot. Uh, Southeast Steve-O, I have one question for you. Gordon Hayward's out four weeks. How's that been affecting the city? What's that mean for the future of the Celtics? We were hoping they can make it out of the East. How's this going to affect them? I don't know, Guy. Let me fucking ask you a question here real quick. Why the fuck are they up 122 to fucking 96, Guy? They don't need that paper mache ass bitch Gordon Hayward. They're going to fucking move on because they're Boston strong. That's what they are, all right? Are they better without Gordon Hayward? I don't fucking know, Guy. The guy hasn't been fucking healthy enough to watch him play a fucking whole fucking game. So what the fuck? Do I dare step in the territory of Boston environment with Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay? Tommy, we we celebrate our boy Tommy. He brought us six rings, Goy, six of them. Now he's retired down in Florida. I don't fucking care if he's still playing football. He brought me six rings. That's six parades I got to go to. Southie Stevo, uh, yes, uh, we will make sure to not have you back again on the show. Uh, Stevo, wrap this puppy up with the Stewart's buttered hard roll of the week. All right, Dave. Sorry, you guys all had to. To witness that, but um, uh, my butter hard roll this week, and I'm I'm really hoping not to be uh to be the walk of shame again. I'm I'm rolling with my main man Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all. Uh, Sunday Red Tiger. Oh, that's diff- a different guy. But anyway, uh, Tiger Woods, uh, playing up in Boston, hasn't played too many tournaments this week uh, this year, but uh, he is signed up for four out of the next five. Uh, this is kind of where it's going to affect his, uh, his, his bank account. Um, it's uh FedEx cup, uh, rankings. So I, I look for tiger to compete and I look for tiger to, to, uh, have, have a strong finish here, uh, up in Boston. So looking forward to watching him play like I always am. And, uh, just, uh, excited to, to continue to watch live sports. That's going to do it for episode four. Cover City out. Follow us on Twitter at Cover City Sports. Follow us on Instagram at Cover City Sports. Subscribe, like. Um, if you can, you know, give us a five-star review. We'd appreciate that. Steve-O. Yeah, Cover City.